नाम नमस्ते सत श्रीकाल रेडियो जिंदगी इलेवन सेवेंटी सुन रहे हैं आप ये है हमारा शो विच इज ब्रॉट यू बाई जीनियस किड्स वी आर हियर एवरी ट्यूजडे सेवन टू सेवन थर्टी एंड वी टॉक अबाउट थिंग्स दैट मैटर और आपको पता ही है कि हम जब भी आते हैं वी टॉक अबाउट थिंग्स दैट जेनली डोंट गेट स्पोकन ऑन द रेडियो एंड यू नो दैट वी टॉक अबाउट children we talk about uh, women and uh, for the last few weeks we have had uh, mompreneurs here and we have been having a very candid conversations with them वैसे before we delve into what our topic of discussion today is i want to remind our listeners that genius kids has got 38 centers across bay area sacramento and tracy and they are one of the best not one of the best they are the best in what they do if you have any child care needs don't forget to uh, you know check out geniuskidsonline.com or you can call their office number which is 5107132431 with that let me welcome renu to the studio hello and welcome happy hot tuesday i know right 94 they said here in fremont it's hotter for somebody like me who's in her ियर <laughs> <laughs> So absolutely you know we've talked about mental health when it's affected women we've talked about postpartum depression and we've talked about all kinds of divorce and you know widows and you name it but i felt one very very important topic especially for our south asian uh, indian community especially with all the pressure that we love to put on our children sure. especially the academic pressures of just having to be the best at everything is the stress that's caused upon teens the pressure and the effect of what you know and sometimes as parents we don't even realize what we're saying to our children and uh, so i invited an expert with me and i met this uh, gentleman a couple of years ago on a very similar topic when one of our friends was doing a show about suicide and uh, whatever he said that day really touched my heart and i always said to myself you know i have to bring graham on my show when i have a show i'm going to have graham on my show so today we have graham and i'm going to have him do his own introduction because i don't think anyone could do it better than himself <laughs> but he is uh, he's spoken internationally on children's mental health especially suicide prevention and he'll tell you why spoken to over 8000 students about alcohol drug use and self harm just last year and he's directly affected over 40 new campus wellness centers from direct involvement he left a fortune 500 corporate sales career to make a difference in the lives of kids so i resonate a lot with that uh, he's lived in seven different countries visited a dozen more so he's very well traveled and i think he's met a lot of the south asian families on his uh, trips especially in the fremont dublin san ramon areas so on that note graham welcome to candid conversations thank you very much renu it's good to see you again too thank you so my my first question to you is you left a corporate career for mental to just talk about mental health with kids why so uh if i go back to uh, 2013 and um at that time i was doing quite well and uh you know had all the trappings that one looks for when you're doing well and and successful in the job but i i had uh, i was happily married uh, two kids and uh, living in lafayette you know a nice place to live and um our son was struggling with depression and as parents we thought we were doing everything we could uh, he was getting counseling he had medication and so forth that we were working with the schools 
But unfortunately, depression won, and we lost Colin. He took his life. He was only 15. And um, I realized that everything that I was striving for, everything I thought was success, meant nothing. And that success was, was raising two kids. And now I just lost one. So that changed my perspective on that. I met other parents that had lost their children too. And I suddenly started to realize how, how important it was to, uh, to stand up, to make a difference, to, to get mad, you know, make a difference. And uh, a friend gave me, uh, once I left corporate, uh, a friend gave me a job and while I was trying to recover. And our receptionist took her life. And that's when I realized, well, you should be out talking. And so that's what I've been doing since. I'm very sorry because to hear that, and I know you shared that with me a couple of years ago because I always feel that the loss of a child is probably the worst nightmare for any parent. And uh, so my question is, you know, you mentioned he had depression. Did he did it just start when he was a teenager? Was it before? And did you ever find out what the reason was? Was it neurological, uh, hormonal? Was it a, what was? It? Did you ever find out the reason? So the, some, something like depression is like being left-handed. You don't have a choice. That's just how how you okay. are. Um, unfortunately, is often genetic. And so it, it often is something that runs in families. Uh, we kind of started realizing Colin was having some struggles when he was in third grade. Mm. Uh, by fifth and sixth grade, we were, we were talking about um, adjusting his school work to, to it. But he was exceptionally bright and tested very high. And so that meant he didn't qualify for a lot of things because he was smart. He had depression, and it was like, you know, like I say, it's being left-handed. He had no choice on that. So it does, it does kind of grow, and sadly, most parents realize there's something going on with their child around seven, but they don't get professional to help until they're like 14. Because no one thinks that a seven-year-old can be depressed. Right. Because they think, well, you got everything. You got school. You got mommy, dad. You got toys. Why yeah. would you need to be depressed? They don't realize that it is genetic or there is an internal condition sometimes and yeah. it's not really what's happening outside I'm very sorry to hear that so um, so then you left your career what what was the next step then when you realized that this was your calling well you know I it's funny I gave a talk at a high school at one of my first talks and I thought it went well and uh, then a week later I was speaking at a middle school and a parent came up to me afterwards and said oh you know I heard someone talk about the same type of thing a week ago but he's just somebody who lost his kid you know he's not really an expert he didn't know he was talking to me <laughs> so I realized that I really did need to go out and learn more I needed to educate myself on what was really going on in the community, what was going on in our state, and what's actually happening to our kids, because their school experience is nothing like ours. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to contradict what that parent said to you, because I think when you actually go through a situation like that personally, you do become the expert. Because even if you have psychiatrists, whatever, if they've never gone through the loss of life of a loved one, it's very hard to relate. I always say that as give an example as a divorce. People don't understand what divorce does to someone unless you go through it. So Agreed, yeah. agreed. Yeah, some people say I should put an L E after my name for lived experience. <laughs> so um why do you think uh, high schoolers and middle schoolers are so stressed these days? Why? I mean I have my reasons to believe it but I want to hear from you. Why? 
Well, it's taken a while to kind of really dial it in. But one of the things that I've learned is that when I went to high school, so I went to high school, the same school my children went to. And um, when I graduated, there was like X number of students graduating in this state from high school. And there were X number of seats in college. Now, the number of kids in high school is 10X but the number of seats in college is still X. X. Mm. So there really is a lot more competition. It really is harder to get into these schools that once were almost a given that you could, if you didn't get into a UC, then for sure you were in a Cal State and so on. But um, that is a, is a big factor in it. And then there's the parental pressure. My, uh, my dad uh, grew up in London and um, he won a full four-year scholarship to Columbia University in New York. So he did his four years there, and if that wasn't enough, he then went on to continue his education at Harvard. Wow. And so when I talk to people about um, my dad's education and what he did, and I say, you know, I'm one of five kids, and I say, do you think I got pressure? (laughs) Do you think I got pressure to go to Harvard or Columbia? Well, I see you nodding your head, but the answer was no. I told you my dad was a smart guy. He knew those were not the right environment for me. And so that is what our, you know, I ask all parents to think about is, maybe you think you're Harvard material, but take a look at your child and really, truly assess if they are Harvard material. Absolutely. Out, out and don't try and live, sorry, don't try and live your dreams sometimes through your children. Sometimes if you didn't make Harvard or Columbia and you want your kids to do it, you start making them fill, fulfill your dreams, and that's not really what they want. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, just, yeah. just uh, curious, out of the five of you, did anyone go to Harvard? No, none of us went to Harvard. That, that's surprising, right? You would think that you know, parents would want you know, one of, okay, not one, so probably the second one, but, I mean, good for you that you, know, you guys weren't pressured into that. Right, and, and my father's, after he left university, went to work for the United Nations, and that's why we traveled, that's why we lived mm-hmm. in all these different countries, uh-huh. and that broadened our experience. For him, it was more important to take us to like, the most impoverished part of a city to see how most of the people lived than it was to keep us in the best part of the city. Right. And I, I, it's hard to explain. I grew up with a butler, drivers. Each of us had our own nanny. We lived on a compound with security. What you would think is, wow, you yeah. know, a silver spoon life. But my, my father was really insistent on us understanding how real people live, how the rest of the world is. All right. So it's for all our listeners, you know, who are listening. And I, before we started off, I gave an intro in Isha's show that, you know, all parents will must tune in to teenage parents. So my question to you is, what are the signs that you think that parents right now listening can, you know, see, look out for to see if their, t- if their child is struggling in school? And it is as early as seven years. It's, it can be very difficult for someone to, you know, point out unless they know. So why don't you tell us what are the signs to look out for? So there are some, some pretty good signs if you are paying attention, looking for them. One is sleep. If your child is not getting enough sleep, and by enough sleep I mean like nine hours, then that is a, that's a warning sign. You've either overscheduled your child or they're having a sleep disorder. And that affects a child quite dramatically. At, at Stanford Sleep Center, they say that for every hour of sleep you miss, you drop your IQ 10 points. Hmm. So if you have an average student with an average IQ of 100 and they miss two to three hours of sleep, now they're developmentally challenged just because they didn't get enough sleep. 
and they'll push themselves even harder. So that withdrawing is also a very big sign, withdrawing from their friends. You know, as parents, we may say, well, they're studying, they're yeah. dedicated to school. But it's very important that a child has somebody that they're interacting with. And, and especially if you see them change, right, as a personality. Oh, yes. If they've been talkative and they hang out with you and now suddenly they want to be in a room, parents start thinking, oh, they're teenagers. This is just, again, hormonal or this is just their attitude. Every, all teens do this. All teens don't do this, right? No, they don't. This is withdrawing. So not sleeping or sleeping too much. Withdrawing. Mm -hmm. Those are very big warning signs. And then it's actually listening to what they're saying. Mm -hmm. You know, often we have the, the uh, description of the helicopter parent over a child or the snowplow in front knocking down the obstacles or there's the one behind with the whip and the chain. We really need to walk alongside our children. We right. need to go through life together with them and to face the ups and downs. So, I mean, you touched upon something overscheduling and that's probably <laughs> our, you know, topic. What is this that we are trying to, you know, do here that so much pressure and like you said you know competition has increased obviously you know uh, the kids in school are 10x whereas you know colleges are still x we get that but what are the additional challenges or the pressures that parents new age parents knowingly or unknowingly putting on their kids uh, any thoughts on that um i was sharing with renu just before we came on the air i gave a talk called strong dad strong daughters and it was it was working together and as we sat in this group uh, uh, a south asian dad said well you know south asian kids just handle stress better so i said well i'm just going to repeat that <laughs> back and we'll see how it sits so south asian kids are better and he said that's not what i said well everybody in the group's like no that is what well, you that said that is what you said yes exactly but the reality yeah. is South Asian kids handle stress just like all the other kids. They're it, kids after all. They yeah. are children and it is, it is a lot of pressure. So I really see it in a community where Saturday school is a common thing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, after school tutoring is a common, common thing. thing. Yep. These are additional pressures. And, and winning competitions and topping every single day. Everything and, and has to be a competition. Yeah. And not just yeah. academics. You have yeah. to be good at piano everything. and singing piano, and dancing. Singing, and and cricket. And yeah. cricket. And oh, everything yeah. has to be in that. <laughs> but 24 hours remain the same. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to put all these uh, activities. Yeah. Really, you deal with kids all the time. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I was just giving Graham an example of a parent that recently came to our school and uh, their kids are three. And they're coming from another school where that school called the three-year-old class pre-K. I don't know why, okay. because pre-K is one year before kindergarten. Right. So she is insisting that I put her three-year-olds who are not potty trained in pre-K. And I said, no, they're going to be in early preschool, which is not even preschool. Now, here's a k two, uh, two children, twins, who still have two years before they even get to kindergarten. Why am I doing pre-K? How about we teach them to laugh and smile, speak English, um, learn to read, talk, have fun, do art, and we'll figure out pre-K maybe one year before kindergarten. But the truth came out. The reason why she wanted them in pre-K is because her other friend has a child in pre-K. She didn't realize, but that child is a year older. Right. So that just to have to spend 20 minutes in the morning explaining to somebody why a three-year-old shouldn't be in pre-K was an unnecessary conversation. And that's already, I don't know which one of those parents it was, the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to remember all the three. That's the, the whip. That's the whip. And the, yes. Okay. But, um, you know, it, you talk about overloading of activities. And, you know, what I will tell you is South Asians, that's what they do with their children. They overload them with activities all day long, all Sunday, all Saturday. They... There's nobody, no child is allowed to just sit and chill. They have to keep overloading them. 
So do you also feel, uh, Graham, that um, schools are putting too much pressure by homework? Because I see the amount of homework these kids get. When I used to get homework, but that was when I was 15, 16. Yes. Not at 9 and 10. Yeah, so there's been an interesting push on homework. So there's been a, a kind of a statewide drive to eliminate elementary homework mm -hmm. uh, because many international studies show that not only is it not productive, it's actually counterproductive. You really need the child's brain to rest and develop. But now the pushback is that those children who have not done homework in elementary school are struggling to learn to do homework in middle school. And so there's somewhere there's a balance. And by the time they get to high school, there of course is a lot of homework. My home district has just limited homework to two and a half hours per night for all subjects trying to reduce the amount of homework Two load. and a half hours a night. But you that's go, a lot. That's the reduction. Because <laughs> you go home, by the time you get picked up from after school and go home, it's 6 o'clock, 6.30. Now you're doing homework till 9.30. When do you sleep for the nine and, hours? And as parents, right, you, all you've got is those three hours, 6 to yeah. 9 with your kid, and two yeah. and a half goes in just homework. homework. And yeah. how is that reduction? I mean, I protest, my lord. <laughs> <laughs> so what, if, uh, what is being well? Let's move on to that. Sure. What is being well? So um, after losing Colin, a couple of parents uh, called me and said, hey, how was the school? How did they react to losing a student to suicide? Uh, not well. They didn't do a good job. And uh, one of the mothers had a child that had a severe anxiety issue, and the other one had a child with leukemia. So we got together and kind of complained. And once we got that out of our system, we said, what can we do to make it better? And we went and looked at similar schools and came back with the wellness centers. So wellness centers are fo focused on the mental health of the children, not the physical health. Mm -hmm. And... Um, we worked, it took us several years, but eventually we got wellness centers in all four comprehensive high schools in that district, which then led me to a neighboring district where I worked on, and we put 30 wellness centers in. And then I went to a neighbor, neighboring district to that and got four more going in. So I thought, why stop there? The reason we talk about wellness centers is there was a recent study from the University of Michigan, and they had children who had either made a suicide attempt or shown strong suicide ideation. They assembled over 460 kids. Half of them they had an inter intervention with in that they had the child select a caring adult. The other half they just left to go through the system as, as normal. At the end of the study, the result was the students, the children who had a, one caring adult. Not the parent. So not a parent. Not the parent. Not a parent. Okay. A caring adult. Their death rate from suicide or homicide was 660% lower. Wow. And where do you find those caring adults? In wellness, in wellness centers. So it's a center at school where if I know I can't speak to my parent um, or they're not going to understand, as a child, I can go to the wellness center and ask for help. You can ask for help, and it may just be... You need 10 minutes. It may be you need to talk to a counselor. But, um, so it's not, it's not like a place to hide out if you don't like math. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is a place yeah. to, to get help. But then does the counselor, is the counselor required to tell the parent that the child came to talk? No. Because In the state of California, once the child reaches 12, mm -hmm. a lot of those requirements start to go away that they do not need to... To share so it. your child can go confidentially if they see think mom and dad are not going to understand yes. how I'm feeling yes. and go share this confidentially and he doesn't have to go back home. Right. 
What will it take to have a wellness center all across all schools in California? Excellent question. I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> so I looked at funding because there are often initiatives, well, a lot of state laws come right. along with no mm-hmm. funding. So um, what we came up with was a mental health awareness license plate. So I'm working with State Senator Glazer uh, from District 11 to put together this um, mental health awareness license plate. The funds raised from that I thought would be wonderful to use to implement wellness centers. When I took this, I partnered with the California Department of Education. When I took this to them, they said, that's not enough money. Let's 10X it. Let's add another $20 million to this. And so that's where the funding will come from is through MHSA funding, which is a $2.2 billion a year fund that's the millionaire's tax and is specifically for mental health. So that funding will be used. But the mental health awareness plate is to drive the awareness of what a wellness center is and also fund the activities of helping school districts design and implement these these wellness centers. How How is it being funded right now? The wellness centers that I have are typically funded by parent foundations Mm -hmm. and district. Okay. So soon we will have it have one in every school in California. Is That's that what the you're whole, hearing? The license plate is a two-year program. So once I'm I'm done with that, and you start seeing these these beautiful green license plates, mm-hmm. you'll say, "Hey, I remember that guy." So, <laughs> the uh, guy in green shirt <laughs> and the green. So um, is this what you do full time now? Uh, I also uh, I do this. I am a mental health commissioner for Contra Costa County, and I also um, I'm still speaking in the schools. And I work with the National Alliance on Mental Illness as a sui- youth suicide prevention specialist. So How commendable. Yeah. That, was, so that was really, really good. Yeah, so do you go back to the wellness centers to see the, th- the seeds that you've sown? I do, and it, it, you know what? It's kind of fun. I went in there, and um, Colin used to have a beanbag he slept on, and so when we lost him, I had it monogrammed with his name on it and put it in the wellness center when it opened. Mm-hmm. So I'll go in and start talking to the kids, and they don't know who I am. Oh. But I'll start saying, hey, have you ever noticed there's a name on that beanbag? And I'll roll it over, and then the few wheels will start turning, and I'll go, wait a minute. It. And so we just start talking about it. Every time I go there, it is amazing what I'm seeing as far as students sharing. Mm-hmm. They share far more than I ever did when I was in that, that age group. And we also have parents coming in and kind of giving the school a heads up. Hey, we are heading into a divorce. Mm-hmm. My son or daughter may be struggling at school. Just want to yeah. let you know ahead of time. And they're saying we never got that from parents before. So it's really kind of bringing the community in and, you know, making a discussion about mental health normal. Not just a discussion, a difference as well. Yeah. Yeah. That we could wonderful. go on and on here. Yes, I mean, yes. you know, <laughs> and that's why I said to Graham, I said, I'm going to have to have a part two show for sure. I know. Your closing message to parents really quickly. We're almost at the end of our segment. You know, um, who again. Put, who put unnecessary who pressure put on unnecessary. <laughs> you know, who's going to school? Is it you or your, if, if your child? And if you really want a child, you know, just you can buy the sweatshirt, says Harvard Mom, for a lot less <laughs> than you can for sending your kid. Respect who they are and listen to them. They are telling you, either directly or indirectly, how they're feeling. Yeah. Don't Very well said. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You've Thank been you for so informative, me. and it's and it's and you know it's it's hard to come in. I'm sure even today it's hard to talk about Colin. So it is. God yeah. bless him wherever he is, and uh, but 
I'm sure you'll be very proud of what you're doing today and making a difference. So, R.I.P. Yeah. Colin, and thank you so much, Graham, for being here. Renu, we all know that you know you are all for children, but today you've got a guest who really spoke for the children and yes, all the did. teenagers yes. who are listening, and they must be really, and I really glad. I hope all the parents have listened because you know, take. I would like everybody today to just go home, get that cup of chai, glass of wine, whatever it is, leave your child alone in their room, and just sit down for a minute and figure out which ma, which parent are you. Remind me, helicopter. I know the helicopter one. Snowplow. Snowplow. That's the one in the front. Knocking that's down all the problems ahead of okay, time. Okay, so overprotective. Yes. Okay, and uh, then we behind have... Behind them the with the whip and chair. Behind them with the Which whip and chair. Which one are you, just before we close? There's one more. Which walk alongside. Yeah, walk alongside. And that's what we all that's that's be, right? we want to be, right? You know, you'll notice, actually, Swati, sometimes we tend to duplicate our own parents' behavior sometimes. Mm-hmm. Very few actually learn from it. Right. I think I started by being a helicopter mom, and then I realized afterwards, no, it's not worth it. It's and really not worth so it. So who are you now? You're the along, walking alongside? I hope so. Shana <laughs> Sheena, you'll be coming on my show next week, so you better say nice things about mommy. I think all parents go through these phases, and we are different <laughs> yeah. people at different times. Yeah. I hope everyone yeah. who heard today, yeah. they learn yeah. to walk alongside. We all want to be good parents. You know, there's nobody who wants to be a bad parent, but right. I think sometimes we forget that we want our kids to be what we want to be or what we could not be. And we have to remember, let them create their own life. Uh, as there's one famous guru who always says that we're just the vehicle for having the child. We're not there to run their life. We are simply the vehicle that brought them into this world. Wonderfully said. Thank you so much, both of you, for being here. Thank you. We will see you next week. You were listening to Candid Conversations with Renu Dillon. This is Sati signing off and see you on the other side.